This is Comet Picks by The Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. How are you doing, Jason Glick? I'm good, John. And yourself? Not too bad. So what do you have on the menu tonight? Okay, well, tonight is something that I've been looking forward to um, since, since the start of the year, when it was announced that the uh, 15th volume of Knights of Sidonia was going to be the final one. Well, it's like, I've got it, and uh, it's like, uh, short version is, I was, like, contrary to what my... Uh, my review of Volume 14 said I was actually went pretty satisfied by this. Now, let me back up a bit by saying that this is the latest series by um, Tsutomu Nihei, who I've been following for um, quite some time. In fact, I've already done one podcast on this guy talking about his um, it's like his series, um, his series Blame, like um, his one volume Noise, and um, first couple of volumes of Biomega. He's a guy who has a very distinct worldview in the sense he's like um, characters with, with big guns, um, really really inscrutable worlds it's like and um it's like and really really weird hr geiger-esque um biomechanical creatures um it's also worth noting that um charting the course of his evolution from these three series from blame to, to biomega to knights of sidonia is you've got a character creator who he started out as like you know being a maverick of the mainstream now he's just like going for the big brass ring and all and knights of sidonia is Arguably his most um, commercially successful series so far. I've actually seen it um, show up in the uh, list of, be- of best-selling manga on Anime News Network, and it's actually spawned um, t- a two-season, twenty-four-episode um, anime series that you can stream on Netflix. So, so yeah, there's one thing to be said for like that. Yeah, hey, this is um, it's like his most accessible series so f- so far. However, it's also worth noting that um, Blame is a very um, inscrutable um, like series in the sense that, you know, I mean, I've talked about this before, and I've said that, you know, yeah, you don't want to uh, think too hard about this in the sense that, you know, like the, it's not, the um, questions it's posing are not, in terms of its narrative, are not just, are not you know, um, big or deep or complex or anything. But at the same, but at the same time, it's like, this is a series that, that basically, like, he was, like um, Nihei was doing what he wanted to do, um, regardless of um, narrative concerns and, and whatnot, and he managed to get ten volumes out of this. So that's worth. It's kind of crazy in the sense that you know you've got like the creator doing his big crazy personal series as his as his debut, and it actually managed to catch on long enough for him to just do whatever the fuck he wanted. So that's actually that's just kind of impressive. So you figure that after he's done this um series where he's able to like indulge his um like his his own personal in- interests to whatever it's like to, to the extent that he wanted to he would try to um you know basically well i've done what i wanted so why not actually try to uh you know conquer the mainstream so we get by Bi- omega which um is um our which um which at least shows that he can he can um compose a um like a it can like a, a narrative in the sense that you've got the characters, they've they've got reasons for what they wanted to do, and even if it's um, just you know like kind of a lot of a lot of style, in the sense you've got a hero who's got a big fucking gun, or not a big fucking gun, like a handgun that can like pull the fuck out of everything, and um, it's like it's like and also like but also has lots of um, weird H.R. Geiger-esque biomechanical stuff. It's like and um, like a bear who gets um, body parts lopped off at every major appearance. It's like and. So it's yeah, it's like it's him like doing something he wants to do, but at the same time it shows you can pull down a story too. Um, Knights of Sidonia, at first it struck me as, you know, 
like uh, it's your it's it it's it comes from a very conventional core. You know, you've got like humanity has um, been driven from Earth by an alien menace, and okay, now they're trying to find they're trying to find a new home, but they're constantly hounded by these aliens as they as they explore the cosmos. Sidonia was one of several seed ships that was sent out from Earth. It may be the last one. We don't know, but it's the one that we've been um, following for for a good long while. That for that we, that this, that's been alive for a good long while now. And um, as the series starts off, we're introduced to um, Magate um, Tanikaze, who uh, it's like a guy who um, apparently is rocking some really high scores on a, um, on a it's like on a simulator for the for the uh, for the mecha of the series, the guards. And um, and apparently he's. Like and he's been like living underground, like in like in the bowels of this ship for a good long while, and his dad, you know, is now a mummy. And um, eventually, at one point, he decides, you know, instead of like going out to get some rice for sustenance, he decides to like you know go down the uh, path marked "Do Not Enter," and it takes him to the core of the ship, to the um, residential area of the ship, where he finds out that you know human that humanity or what's left of it has been living for a while, and um, he's just. And it's like apparently like he's just been um it's like left out of it for for a good long while by his dad for reasons unknown. So as a turn as we find out eventually and um it's like if compared to his um previous series, um Tsutomu um Nihei actually does uh, explain a lot of this stuff. Like like exactly why was um um Tanikaze um like left uh, raised um alone by his um by his dad for all these years? Well, it turns out his dad was um, it's like one of the core crew members and a um, really hotshot pilot. It's like who um, helped the Sidonia um, fight off the uh, like their their ongoing nemesis, the uh, the Gauna. It's like, and um, at one it's like at one point while um the it's like while the the crew while the um, key members of the crew took um, immortality drugs in order to um, prolong their life and maintain order like continuity of leadership on Sidonia, um, his dad um. Um, decided no, I didn't want to do this. Like I wanted, to, he basically wanted to live out a normal life, but he also wanted a son as well. And instead of, um, like, and while he was uh, while he was being cloned, it's like as a safeguard, he took his his um his clone and raised him as his son, which turned out to be Tanikaze. So you've got this um kid who has basically been raised from from birth to be a um really badass pilot and nothing else. Part of the charm of the series is that um, while Tanikaze is kind of like um, completely badass as a guard as a guard pilot, uh, he is kind of a huge dork when it comes to everything else in normal human interactions. Whether it's just you know eating um, normal foods instead of photosynthesizing, um, like asking um, awkward awkward questions like uh, like act, like the um, asking the middle sex um, like um, crew member. Um, Izana about you know hey it was like which um, biological catheter do you use? It's like or um, like testing out the uh, anti gravity guardrails right next to the um, like the uh, girls photosynthesis room. It's like there's lots of um, goofy um, it's like goofy conventional like uh, humor stuff here that that on one hand would be um, painfully um, obvious in uh, other hands, but Nihei, um as I said, he doesn't see the world in the same way we do. So when um, it's like when girls like you know like um, beat the crap out of him for being a for being a dork, we see like actual blood and um, it's like and pain in like it's like in his artwork. So it's so there's lots of so like I said, it's 
it's it, even though like there's all this like conventional stuff here. It's like Nihei, it's like approaches it in a way that almost feels like it's kind of like an alien learning to speak English. It's that it doesn't. It never comes off in the same exact way that you'd expect like the absolute, you know, basic conventional stuff too. I mean, like, and his art style, it's like has the, like has these um thick realistic lines to it, or realistic or grounded. It's like it's it doesn't look like the uh, like the standard mainstream like um of ma of manga. I mean, Shonen Jump like um Shonen Jump style. Um, Nihei, um, that is anathema to his style. In fact, while while, his, um, while it starts out as a while his style starts as a conventional as a um, stri- slim down version of his um, Biomega and Blame style, it eventually are, um, evolves into a um, like a thinner like a thinner detailed style that actually kind of recalls um, like um, Hayao Miyazaki's work in um, Nashika the Valley of Wind. Now um, Nihei, he doesn't have the same level of detail as as the master's work, but um, it's still, but it's still impressive to note that he's that that's that's where he's drawing from. I mean, to be honest, like I'd be surprised if he does have any um, assistance working on this because of the uh, just uh, just because of the level of detail that's invested in this. It does seem like he's you know just doing like doing pouring everything he can into this. If he does, if he did have art uh, assistance working with him, it's like I'd be I'd be um, interested to know about this because you know he's. He seems like the kind of guy who would just be like, you know, this is how it's done. It's like, and no, I can't trust you to do this. I'm going to do this all by myself. So that's that's what he strikes. That's what his style strikes me in this in this series. And um, it's like overall, it's like I mean, this series has been um, consistently entertaining um, from the start. I mean, like I said, it's the uh, it's just different in the sense that it's embracing really conventional mainstream material, but approaching it from a um, weird. It's like a weird hard science fiction H.R. Geiger-esque um, approach. And yes, I know I keep um, harping on the H.R. Geiger stuff, but really it's like the um, biomechanical stuff that he, that um, Nihei, um, like, like, a pro- like does in his work. That's like the biggest touchstone that I can bring, talk about here. I mean, when, um, one, one of my favorite parts of the series is when um, his, uh, so when 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 um, Tanakazi's copy is infested by um by gown of material, it's replicated into a um human humanoid form of a former pilot that he loved, and then she slips him the um well multiple tongues um to him, and it and the um and the panel explodes in a um like in a in a bounty of um alien fauna in the sense that you know it's the uh, hey this is the uh, you know like like the two characters like you know consummating their affection it's like but and it's like with all the uh it's like um flowers that result from it and uh but it's like it's just really weird and alien and creepy it's like at the same time so that's it's like yeah that's kind of the strangest that i like from this from this series and also the fact that sidonia is also kind of like the strangest harem series i have read full stop i mean I talked about the uh, Middlesex character um, Izana, who um, her apparently um, her her kind um, can um, choose their gender once they find someone appropriate to procreate with, and well, you know, no point suggesting who that is for her. You've also got um, Spanner Midori Kawa, who also um, like takes up residence in um, the in the apartment that um, Tanikaze gets. It's like, and um, also the. it's like and apparently the captain of Sidonia, one of the first people who took the uh, took took the, the um, immortality drugs. It's like to um, maintain like continuity of leadership. She um, was 
um, big into um, Saito, who was um, you know Tanikaze's like the uh, person that Tanikaze was based on. It's like, and apparently she has the hots for him too. And you also got the the Tsundere android um, Tsuru, who um, oh Teruru, um, who um, like was part of a um, part of a member of the a group of the crew who who um, set out from Sidonia who believed that you know if we let if we set down our weapons the Gauna would um, let us go, and that turned out to be not the case. But she is um, kind of but apparently she found that, that wasn't the case, and that says that Gauna are like attached to the Higgs, Higgs particles, which serve as the basis for all the uh, power of Sidonia and its, it's like and its machines. It's like and she is just kind of like you know I hate you forever. But then um, eventually she comes and be like oh like no it's like I don't like you but it's like I'll I'll accept your help. So it's it's kind of funny like how he's like, atta- like attaching this um like this um conventional um, character type to to this an- to this android who also at sometimes appears normal but also when she gets flustered um turns into a um segmented um like kind of kind of creepy um android ap- appearance. But really the um the as we find out um later on the love of um of Tanikaze's life turns out to be um a hybrid um human gauna um creation called um called Sumugi who um is basically a uh, very she's a very polite very ladylike um like creation who is like as as big as the um as a regular um as a regular guard but um, also has a uh, tentacle with a kind of phallic appearance that she's able to interact with the uh like the regular like like Tanikaze and the rest of the crew in a somewhat normal fashion such as it is it's this when she shows up in volume 7 it's like that's kind of when the series like really starts to hit its stride in the sense that you know this it's like it's like it's strange in the sense that you've got this like Gigantic, um, like anti anti gauna weapon, who also is very prim, proper, and ladylike, and also has this like you know this phallic tentacle that she interacts with people with. That, and it's like it's, but also like the relationship that um develops between her and, and um Tanikazi actually does kind of feel genuine. In fact, like I compared to other Icarim series, I really appreciate the fact that eventually, like in volume thirteen, we um finally like Tanikazi finally does. Um, you know, decide on a girl, and it's Sumugi, even though she's, um, she, you know, she's like, you know, several times his size and can only interact with him in this, in her, properly in her tentacle form. But it's, it's so kind of fun. It's so kind of, it's, it's affecting and, like, and charming as well. And the relationship feels genuine, which is good because things happen in the last couple of volumes that really take this, um, like, relationship to its, to its upper limit. Um, now, those of you who've read my um, review for the, pre- the pre- next to last volume, volume fourteen, will, may may recall that hey, um, I was kind of um, on the fence about this. It's like in the sense that you know, like even if the series, even um, Nihei does kind of see this world in a different way, this um, build up to the final final volume was um, kind of like very conventional and just you know checked off a lot of boxes. I mean, yeah, the series does kind of um, have. Fairly conventional, fairly conventional style to it, but like rereading it, I gotta admit I was kind of drawn in. It's like drawn in, and it does prove my like offseated um, point of point of view that you know like, anything reads better when you're able to read it front to back, particularly the uh, and even then like the final volume 
still managed to be pretty entertaining before I had gone back and read and read everything. This is and this is when we get the um, final conflicts between um, Sidonia, it's like and um, scientist Ochiai, who is um, assumed command of the uh, like the other hybrid in order to be the um, supreme being, supreme like like supreme life form that will that will live on after humanity has died out. And also, they were facing off against the uh, ga- the uh, like the Gauna's, um direct attack on Sidonia. There are some impressive scenes in this final volume, as we um, see um, like Vice Commander Midori Kawa, um, like and the rest of the uh, team sni- um, um, take on um, uh, Ochi through 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 some um, like um, impressive ta- tactical means, and also um, the uh, the Sidonia faces some real end of the world stuff. When it's um, when it has to take on some Gauna that are determined to um, absorb the ship as it is, so it and also um, Tanikaze um, does get his his big moments in the sense that he's he gets to be the big damn hero as he show, shows up to save like to save some of the crew at sa- save some of the attack fleets at the very last minute and also has some has some nice nice final words with um with ochi it's like at the heart of a heart of the sun as well it's like it's i got him in i like the um bit when um it's like it's like when even though he pulls out a uh like i will defeat you because i am a knight of sidonia i mean yeah that's conventional but then when um when ochi um pulls out the wait it's like i can um bring back the uh woman you loved and um tanikaze just shoots him in the head when he's giving his speech like that yeah like I can I, I that's something I really I really liked. I mean, you've seen this this kind of thing before, and you think about the guys who just you know angst who angst about this. But Tanikaze, no, it's like he may be a real dork in social actions, but you know when it comes down to to taking out the bad guys, he um, it's like he's definitely got got his hand. He definitely he definitely, he's definitely um on top of his game right there. So. And um, there are, and the, I will admit, the, um, some of the business with Sumugi, it's like does kind of feel like you're being, okay, he's kind of jerking you around at the end. But at the same time, I gotta admit, I kind of I liked where things wound up. I mean, yeah, we do get kind of a um, mega happy ending, but it's, there's actually good reasons behind it. And um, I like the uh, it's like the epilogue stuff when it shows you um, what happened with um, Sidonia. It's like years after, um, it's like. The, the events of the ne- next to the last chapter. So, it's like it's like yeah, it's fairly it's it's um, fairly conventional. It does check off a lot of the, the boxes I was um, complaining about in my review of Volume Fourteen. But I got it. Like he um, Nihei shows that he knows the formula well, and um, it's like and he um and he executes it um like to to a really satisfying degree. It's like overall, it's like yeah, it's like it was conventional, but I didn't. Ultimately, I didn't care. It's like I, it's like uh, I wanted these guys to have a happy ending, and in the end, it's like the ending they got um, felt earned. So overall, it's like I, it's like I really did enjoy this final volume from Night Sidonia. It's like and um, it's like and as far as um, if if you like Nihei, then um, then yeah, absolutely check check this out. I mean, yes, he is going for more conventional stuff, but this shows that he knows how to do the formula well. And his particular um, worldview um, makes it a um, more in- interest, more interesting um, experience than you might expect. It's like, so um, I will definitely um, look forward to um, seeing whatever he does next, and I will look forward to seeing him 
at Comic Con this year because he'll be because he'll be showing up, and um, you know, I hope he doesn't show up on Thursday because I'm not really um, keen on doing um, four days again this year. But um, hey, if he just if he shows up on like a Friday Friday or Saturday, I'll absolutely be there because like I would love to see this guy in person and just, just hear him talk about just you know what how he does his stuff, even if it's just you know to just give like standard um like answers that that would like convent, conventional stuff. But um, like I, I'm definitely. But um, I've seen enough of this stuff over the years to say that I'm a dedicated fan of his work, and I will look forward to seeing whatever he does next. Hey, you know, like now he's mastered like conventional mainstream stuff. Maybe his next series will actually show us, you know, him showing like you know, like messing with the formula and give us something like new. It's like new, compelling, and weird, like a fo- like a true synthesis that will allow him to um to firmly conquer the mainstream. Because hey, watch out! I'm um, Attack on Titan. It's like, hey, whatever he does next, it may have your numbers being like the next major manga success. I hope, at least. So, John, um, any thoughts on your end about all this? Oh, none from me because I just hopped back on here. I had to take care of a little of emergency, but eh, nothing to worry about. Don't want to worry our audience. <laughs> yeah, it's like all this stuff is just really to John's job and not just, you know, anything else. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but um, uh, this is the final volume, right? Is that what yes. you were saying? Okay, all right, yeah. cool. Yeah, volumes 1 through 15 are available a- on Amazon, and up until recently, Comixology was having a sale on this. But, well, it's it's over now, so you can, either, you can still get it digitally, though. Cool. Do you know what you're going to talk about next time? Well, I'm pretty sure this is going, but um, it's going to arrive on time. But um, my thoughts will be on next podcast will be on Eric Powell's The Goon, and um, well, I expect some thoughts on you know what on the Cerberus Syndrome versus um First and Ten um well trademark um Eric Burns of um late of Websnark. All right, we'll look forward to uh, listening to that next time on Comic Picks by the Glick. All right, later. Bye.